makes all things new. I love it. Today's a new day. Amen? I want to see how many of you had the opportunity to go out and volunteer the last couple of weeks over at the Orange Campus property. How many? Come on, let's give these volunteers a great big hand. Awesome. Hey, there's still time, and there's still lots of work. Yesterday, the work crew was amazing. That place is being transformed right before our very eyes, and I'm so grateful for all of you. I want to thank Pastor Glenn for doing an incredible job last week of bringing us up to the Jordan. Uh, we're in the book of Joshua. We've been talking about moving forward in God. Moving forward is not a physical place. It's a spiritual place in our own heart. We are moving forward. You remember the old Steve Miller band song, Time Keeps On Slipping, Slipping, Slipping into the Anybody remember that song beside me? All right, you got to be, I guess, a little. It's an old flashback song. You know, but the fact is, time is moving forward, and we are moving forward. It's just whether we're going anywhere or not. Some people just go forward in circles. They're moving, but there's nothing really happening in their life. Today, God has called us to be people who are moving forward in his purposes. Yesterday, my wife and, uh, and my sons and the David family moved Austin and Keenan up to Gainesville. Austin and Paula, what did I say? Oh, man, I got messed up already. Austin and Paula, his beautiful young lady that was on there that was doing the video announcement there, but they are moving to Gainesville where she's continuing her education at University of Florida because they're getting married August 15th. Come on, let's give them a big hand. They're not living, they're just moving furniture. They get their apartments set up so the families were up there. We were getting everything set up. And just show a little picture there, kind of that. It was our moving day yesterday. And I, I was looking at, they got a nice little two-bedroom apartment really close to the university there. And I mean, it's nice, man. They got tile floors and, and, uh, and they got a, actually got a bed and they got a couple of couches and big TV. And, and I had a flashback. I had 28-year-ago flashback because our first, <laughs> our first, uh, place of abode, the married couple, was a two-bedroom, roach-infested, gun-shooting, drug-dealing complex in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, our first night as a married couple in that apartment was on, a, was on a sleeping bag. We actually had that sleeping bag for about three weeks before the Lord actually provided a bed, so that was our first bed. And our first dining room table, our first kitchen table was, what do you call those things you put an iron on? An ironing board, right? That was our, that was our kitchen table. And then my wife had brought into the marriage this little picnic basket that we'd use, and we took little picnics together, and that was our little side table for this little futon child's couch that we had as our couch. And remember, anybody remember the old 12, I think they're like 12 or 13-inch black and white TVs, All right? Well, that was our first television. That was our first abode. And I thought, wow, what, <laughs> something, something, <laughs> what happened here? Oh, you know what happened is that my son, who's now just turned 25 this last week, has made some choices in life about his life of moving forward in God. And I, I'm so proud of him. I don't talk about my kids often, but both my kids, man, they, they've been involved in ministry. They've been doing this. They were born in the pew, like from the womb to the tomb. I mean, they've been chewing on the seats since my wife and I could bring them into the world. I mean, and to see the decisions that they've made to go forward in God. I, I, want, you to t- I want to tell you today, that's the call of God for each of our life, that God wants us to move forward. God wants us to move forward. But there are things in our life at times that seem to make it impossible. But I want to talk, I want to, talk to us this morning about crossing over in the face of impossibilities as we're moving forward in God. I want you to turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. 
crossing over in the face of impossibilities as we move forward in God. Joshua chapter 3, we're going to begin with verse number 6. And if you could stand with me this morning. Joshua chapter 3, verse number 6. The Bible says, Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took up, took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that you may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Everyone say, stand in the river. Everyone say, impossibility. Verse number 9, Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen, and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Persites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and every other ite you can think of. I like the sevenites. There you go. We're all we're we're all drive. God's going to drive all of them out. And see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, sets foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage, all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam, or first, in the vicinity of the Zarathon. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, that is, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. Everyone say dry ground. Until all the nation finished passing over them. I want to pray this morning. I want to pray, first of all, as we prepare our hearts to move forward as a church congregation. I want to pray for a continued unity in our church body. It's been amazing to me to see all the volunteers that have been working out at the campus. And that's just an indication to me that God is moving in our hearts to move forward in Him. And so I want to pray for the continued unity of our church. I want to pray for the community that we're moving into. We are moving into a brand new community about seven miles from here, still in the Sanford community. But there are people in that community that God has called us to reach. Just like when we bought this property ten years ago, there are people that God called us to reach. So we want to pray that we have a heart as we move forward to continue reaching people for Christ and the mission that he's called us to. And then I want to pray God's richest blessing on every person on every person that's in this room today. Because what you see in the story of Joshua is that they all went across on dry ground. And I want every person here to know this morning, no matter how impossible your situation may seem, I want you to know that you can cross over on dry ground. Let us pray. Father, I thank you this morning for the great grace, the incredible grace that's upon our life. I thank you, Lord, for your destiny and your purposes that you've called each of us to and that we are special in your sight. We're a special people. We're a peculiar people. We're called by your name. We're your children. 
Thank you for the unity, the continued unity. We fight for it. We stand for it. We thank you for the leadership team that you brought together, Lord, the ministry teams at every level here. We are so grateful. And I pray that as a team, as we move forward, that we would recognize your presence as what we need as we agree together in unity for your plans and purposes to be accomplished. Father, I pray for that orange community, that, that part of Sanford, Lord, on the other side of I-4, God, that represents souls, a, a harvest of people, Lord, that have not heard the good news yet, the, the multitudes of people that you're going to draw by your grace, that are going to experience the love of God. We pray for that harvest even today. We believe it and we see it with our eyes, our eyes of faith today. God, I pray this morning for every person in this room. God, they may be facing an impossibility in their life, a Jordan experience. And I pray that your grace will open their eyes to see. God, and as my words become your words in their ears and in their hearts today, I pray that you will use me. I need your grace in your wonderful and mighty name. And all that God's people said, amen. You may be seated. You know, whatever you think, whatever you think about these people that I'm going to mention, whatever you think about them, the fact is these names are people that have changed the course of history. Uh, Richard was in the Northwest last week. We didn't actually cross paths. He was kind of in the Portland area, and we were in the Seattle area. But my niece was married, and I had the great honor and privilege of marrying her last week, last weekend. And then I preached at the City Church of Aberdeen last Sunday. And so it was a little break from here, but I was still actively engaged in what God's called me to do. And, but as I was driving around the Seattle area, I remember. I remember when Microsoft really landed on the map. I remember. I mean, we were living there in 1988, and Microsoft literally transformed the Seattle community. Uh, we were driving around, and we were talking with some friends of ours, and they were talking about all these other tech companies that have now moved in. There's Google. they got a base in Seattle. And you got every kind of technology company that you can think of, Yahoo and whatever they are, Red Hat and Red Book and this book and whatever kind of company it is, they're all based there in that area. And the premium on housing is unbelievable. Houses, Hank can tell you, houses that maybe sold in the Kirkland area back in the early 90s for 150000 120000 they're now selling for 600000 800000 and they're just tearing the houses down, and they're building these great big mansion of houses because there's so much money. Microsoft has created more millionaires in the history of the world, one company, than any company on the planet. And it all started because one guy had an idea. One guy had a dream of a preferred vision, of a preferred future. His name was Bill Gates. Well, whatever you think about Bill Gates, Bill Gates had this idea that if he could get his software into your computer and every computer of the world, every computer of the world, he could change the way that people live. And that's exactly what's happened. Over 90% of computers in the world today have his software on uh, You think of a guy like Christopher Columbus. I mean, you know, some people think a lot of good things about him. Some people in our culture today don't think so good about him. But the fact is that he landed on this continent and discovered what he considered to be the new world. And the rest is history. He paved the way. He paved the way. Uh, you think of a man like Martin Luther King Jr. He had a dream. He had a vision of a preferred future in the United States of America. In his generation, America was completely segregated. There, 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 there were ceilings and limits on people of color and other classes. And Martin Luther stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and declared, I have a dream that one day, 
One day, the red men and the white men and the black men and the yellow men could all stand arm in arm. He had a dream. And we recognize that although that dream isn't completely fulfilled, it's a lot different than it was in 1963. Look around the room that you're sitting in today. One man's dream changed the world. One man's vision. One man's discovery. You can go through the course of history and you will see over and over, you will see someone's dream, someone's discovery change the way that human beings live. About nine years ago, we had been at this campus for about two years. There was a man that showed up in my world. He no longer attends our church, but he's still a great friend of City Church. And he had a dream. He had a vision that every child in our church would learn the Bible. That was his dream. He he had this dream that every child would not just learn the Bible, they'd be able to quote scriptures in the Bible. And not just a couple of scriptures, hundreds of scriptures from the Bible. That man, with his dream and his passion, started a ministry called Junior Bible Quiz. Junior Bible Quiz at City Church has now become one of the main discipleship tools that we have to train up children in the way that they should go. Our children are so good at Junior Bible Quiz that for the last 10 years out of 3,000 teams in America, our teams keep finishing in the top 20. And this last year, we finished number two with the number one quizzer in the United States of America. I mean, one man's dream. And then I look at the children, the worship young lady, the leading worship this morning, Miranda Mundo. She was a Junior Bible Quizzer. I look at my son, Keenan, right down here in the front row, playing on the worship team. He was a junior Bible quizzer. Pastor Glenn and I had a conference call with a friend of mine who grew up in a similar kind of church. And he was a junior Bible quizzer and a teen Bible quizzer. And now he's leading a church of thousands, multitude, thousands of people. See, there's a power in a dream. There's a power in the seed of a vision. And Joshua had a dream. Joshua had a vision. He had a vision. He saw the promised land. He saw their future. And he wanted to take everyone with him. But when Joshua saw that dream, he was standing beside Moses. And when he went back and he did what Moses had told him to do with 12 other, or 11 other guys, they went in and spied out the land. There was only two of them that actually believed the dream to inherit the promises of God that God had given to their forefather Abraham. 400 years before. Come on, think about it. 400 years before God had said, Abraham, this land, all this land will be your land. My people will be your people, and you will be blessed, and you will be the head and not the tail, and and you will inherit houses that you did not build, and you will conquer cities that I defeat for you, and you will take over properties and lands, and it will all be because I am with you. 400 years later, Moses saw it. Joshua saw it. But not everybody believed. And for 40 years, everyone had to die off but two people, Joshua and Caleb. We get to the point of our story. Last week, Pastor Glenn brought us up right to the edge of the Jordan River, where Joshua now, who has the vision, has the dream, is calling people to consecrate themselves. It just simply prepares yourself for some function that is holy or worthy of your time. Some function consecrated as a dedication or a committing of yourself to something spiritual or something that's beyond yourself. In the Christian concept, it's a, it's a surrendering your life to the purpose and the plan of God. God was using Joshua. 
Because Joshua saw that what looked to be impossible to some people was possible if God was with them. And so we look at our story right here in verse number 6. We, we see that God has Joshua. Cool. <laughs> I have no idea what that was. That was fun. <laughs> that was good. I didn't, where did it come from? Joshua has him right there at the Jordan. It's an impossible moment in their life. Everyone say impossible. And maybe today you're at an impossible moment of your life. Maybe you got a sickness that, man, you've just gotten a bad diagnosis from the doctor. And it's just long term. You've been dealing with this and you've taken the medications and it just doesn't seem to be a solution. I mean, maybe, you know, you're at a place financially and you've been trying and figured it out and, and it just doesn't seem to be working and life has gotten really challenging in the financial realm of your life. It looks to be impossible. I mean, maybe you're in a marriage today and it's just gone south. And you're, you're just, you've tried and maybe you haven't tried. Maybe you've made some bad choices. Maybe they've made some bad decisions, but you're looking at it and you say, there's no way that this marriage could be saved. It's just impossible. <laughs> maybe you're here today and you've got a child that you grew up and you raised up in the church and you try to show them the right way to go and they've got a mind of their own. You know, the fact is, once children are past the age of, like, 12, <laughs> you ain't controlling them anymore. I mean, you can try, and you can try to steer, but they got their own mind, and they have their own will, and they have their own heart, and they have their own ability to make decisions. I said, how could my child be so far from God today? How could she ever come back to the Lord? I mean, you can just name the impossibilities. You can name the circumstance that you feel like you're going through today. And it looks to be impossible. It's exactly where Joshua and the children of Israel were. There was a river, the Jordan River. It was at flood stage. It was over a mile long. It could have been 10 to 20 feet deep with 40 mile per hour currents sweeping through. And God says, I want you to cross to the other side. I want you to go across to the other side. See, Joshua had been with them. He had saw how God had brought them out of Egypt, the place of bondage and captivity. There wasn't enough. They had enough food. They, they were limited in their capacity to dream the dreams that God had called them to. God delivered them miraculously. and He took them to a place where he was going to lead them to the promised land. And 11 days later, 11-day journey turned into a 40-mile circle going around and around and around. And it was always just a place of hanging on. It was always just a place of, of enough. But there was a vision. There was a promised land. It was called Canaan. It was the place of more than enough. More than enough of God's provision. More than enough of God's grace. More than enough of God's love. More than enough. And Joshua knew this. And God put it in Joshua's heart. He brought him up to this place and brought him up to this moment because what Joshua acknowledged at the time was now. And what you must hear today is now is the day of your salvation. Now is the time that God wants to bring freedom to your life. Now is the time that God wants to set your heart free from bitterness. Now is the time that God wants to bring healing to your physical body. Now is the time that God wants to turn your captivity and begin to open doors that you thought to be impossible. Now is the time. Now God is leading the children to the place of more than enough. Jesus said, don't say four more months. 
Don't say four more years when this lines up and this lines up and this happens. No, no. Jesus said, now is the time of harvest. Now is the day of the miracle that God has for you. Now is the day of salvation that God wants to bring into your life. I, I look at the story, and there's so many symbolism in this story representing the New Testament believer. Paul the Apostle, when he talked about the Old Testament stories, he said, these things are written as examples to you and I. And in verse number 6, Joshua gives instructions to the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant down to the river. You know that Ark, you know, the Laters of the Lost Ark, you know that movie and the little Ark box there, and they got the angels and, and, and the golden, that golden box and inside of it. There's, there's a pot of manna, there's, there's Aaron's rod that budded, and then there's the two golden tablets. That Ark represented the presence of God. Everywhere that ark was, when it was in possession of the people of God, by day there was a cloud, and by night there was a pillar of fire, and it led them. Really cool. Here's our problem. We like to have symbols and signs because we're religious, and we want things that we can physically see, but God no longer dwells in a golden box. God dwells in something more valuable than a golden box. It's you. It's your body. You are the precious one. You are the temple. You are the vessel that the Spirit of God lives in. Hear me today. The greatest revelation that you could ever have as a follower of Jesus today. That God isn't wrapped up in a tiny little box. But now God dwells by His Spirit, by His power. He lives in you. Someone said amen. Oh, you are far more value than the acacia wood and some gold that covered it. You are precious in His sight. Short man, tall man, skinny man, fat man. I don't care what kind of person you are today. You're beautiful. You're God's creation. He loves you. Oh, He loves you. God so loved the world. Gave Jesus for you. So His Spirit could live in you. You can cross over today. The presence of God dwelled with Him. You know, this reality today that all of us have the potential to cross over, but not all of us will. All of us in this room will look at impossible circumstances and situations and we'll fall short at times. But that's not the will of God. God's called us to people who cross over. God calls us to be people who cross over into a place of more than enough. More than enough grace. More than enough faith. More than enough wisdom to live our life. More than enough resources to accomplish the purpose, purposes for which He created us. In verse number 7, the Bible says, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Do you know why God was with Joshua? Do you know why God was with him? Because Joshua lived a life like Moses. You know what kind of man Moses was? The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man that ever lived. You know why? Because Moses got really close to God. And the closer that he got close, closer that he got to God, the bigger that his God got. Richard, I love that analogy that Richard talked about at our prayer time in worship about driving to the Pacific Northwest and these great big giant trees that seem to swallow you on the road. And sometimes your impossibilities... Your Jordan rivers, as it would be, they seem to be so big and so large. 
our pastor used to always say, the problem with most believers is that we need to get a smaller devil. We need to get a little, little tiny devil. And we need to get ourselves a great, great big God. Come on. We need a great big God that makes the impossible possible. (laughs) Joshua knew that without God, they weren't going anywhere. Joshua knew that without the presence of God in his life, he was not able to do what God had created and called his people to do. Joshua knew that without the presence of God going before them, the promised land would never be a reality. You don't find the promise. You don't find the presence of God in a box. You don't find the presence of God in some kind of physical activity. You find the presence of God when you open your heart and invite God to come and to dwell, and to live within the presence of God. Jesus said, if you seek me, if you seek me, you will find me. What are you seeking today? What are you hungry for today? Come on, what are you hungry? Are you just going to keep living the way that you've always lived? Are you just going to keep being stuck? No, that's not God's desire. That's not even your desire. That's why you're here today. See, God used Joshua. Bible, the Bible declares that the presence of God will go with us. Jesus said, I am with you. I'm with you. Joshua was a leader. Uh, you know, being a leader, there's some good things about being a leader. But there's some challenging things about being a leader. Uh, <laughs> there's some benefits to, you know, being out in front. But there's some challenges to being out in front. The longer that I live, what I discover, the, the guy that's usually out in front has a lot of arrows in his back. And, and, and Joshua knew this. Joshua had knew this. But he still stepped into the destiny that God had for him. He still said, guys, go forward. It's time to move. It's time to do what God as destiny called us to do. Joshua calls the people. He tells them, he tells the priest, I want you to go forward. He had this vision, a clear vision of a preferred future. He had a clear portrait, a mental image. He knew it. I know today, I know today the vision that God has placed in my heart for you. I read the scriptures and then I see them experienced in the lives of people that come to this church. I've seen people bound by all kinds of brokenness and all kinds of hurts and all kinds of challenges and seeing themselves small and not worthy, insignificant, far from God. I've seen them encounter Jesus and their lives radically changed. Listen, third service today, we're going to be baptizing people again. We just baptized, I don't know, 13 or 15 people at the beach. And then this year we've baptized almost 50 people so far. And I want you to know today, it never stops thrilling my soul to see a person going to the pools of baptism that has said yes to Jesus, yes to a new way of life, yes to the presence of God, yes to that divine reality. Joshua was a leader. And as leaders, there are great benefits, but there are great challenges. I, I, I was sharing early in first service how I was 24 years of old age, and God gave me just kind of a taste of what it would be like to be a leader in the future. And I had been working in the restaurant business for about 10 years, and when my wife and I got married, we moved back to my hometown, Tucson, Arizona, for one year. 
And in that year, I went to work for this restaurant called the Westwood Look. And the room that I worked in was a, called the Gold Room. It was a very exclusive restaurant in, in this particular part of town. And, and I'd been working there for about two or three weeks. And, and there were like 20 waiters and 10 busboys. And, and after like three weeks, I walked in, and my name was at the top, top of the flow chart. There was the maitre d', and then there was my name. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, this is not good. Because in that system, this wasn't like a socialistic, you're here long enough and you move up a flowchart kind of thing. This was if the Mater D liked you that day and he wanted to give you a good schedule, <laughs> he put your name at the top. Guys that had worked there for 27 years, my name went above theirs. And I remember I saw that and I like started to duck because I knew that that was going to be a problem for me. Like, I'm like, these guys are knocking, this newbie walking in and out the street, the Mater D puts you to the top. And for the next year, I had to wrestle with that as my name was at the top of the chart. There were guys that hated me, tried to take me down. One guy would always try to tell on me or get me in trouble, and God got him fired. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I didn't say nothing. (laughs) But the people saw something in Joshua. They saw humility. They saw a passion. They saw a preferred future to live in his heart. I want you to hear this today. God's passionate for you. There's a preferred vision that God has for your life. You see, because Joshua believed the promises of God. I want you to look at verse number 9 with me. The Bible says, Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Listen to the words of the Lord your God. And this is what he says to him. He says, I will. I will. This is how you know that the living God is among you, that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Ammonites, and the Jebusites. I will drive out your enemies. I will. Come here. Listen real closely. This is not my words. This is the word of God. Joshua had been given this promise by God himself. In Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. See, this is what separates the winners from the losers in God's kingdom. Winners keep God's word in their mind and in their hearts. There was a woman. She was a missionary to China during World War II. Her name was Gladys Allward. She ran an orphanage of about 100 kids, 100 young girls. And, and the Japanese had just invaded China. The Japanese during World War II had a massive army. They were conquering the whole Pacific Rim. They were destroying parts of the Philippines and taking over islands. And it was a brutal time in the world history. And the Japanese had invaded China. And this woman knew what was about to take place because when the Japanese would go in and take over an area, they would brutalize the women. They'd brutalize them. They, uh, I have a brother-in-law who's Filipino, and his grandfather fought alongside Fernando Marcos in, in the Philippines. And he would tell the stories of what the, the Japanese soldiers would do and how they brutalized the people. And you can Google it while I'm preaching right now, and you can read it for yourself. And she knew what was going to happen to those hundred girls that were in that orphanage. And she began to just wail and cry and still feel completely overwhelmed. And there was a little 13-year-old orphan girl that stood next to her. And she said, Gladys, Gladys, God deliver Moses. God deliver Moses. God will deliver us. And this little Gladys girl 
got the stare. You know the stare? Are you kidding me? I'm not Moses. She goes, yeah, I know you're not Moses. But God is still God. God is still God today in your life. God has not changed. God's word is true. The promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. Paul the apostle in talking about faith says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. My job in this room today is to help you overcome the skeptic of your own heart. To help you overcome the skeptic that maybe is outside or a skeptical voice of the devil or other ones. But I found in most people the biggest skeptic is right in their own heart. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough on education. I can't do it. I've gone this way before and i failed so many times. I can't do it. My job here today, today is to tell you, you might not be able to, but God can. If God be for you, who can be against you today? Oh, you might be standing on the brink of an impossibility. But with God, with His presence going before you, all things are possible. Bigger God, smaller devil. You know what I love about God? God asked them to do the ridiculous. Go down and put your feet. Have the priest. You know, we're New Testament priests now, right? We're kings and priests. God's spirit is in us. We don't need another one to go before God on our behalf. You can go right into the very throne room of God. You know why? Because Jesus is in your heart. You can go right into the very throne room of God because Jesus is in your life. God, God, I can't. You're right, you can't. But I can. God's with us today. God says, I want you to put your feet in the water. Come on, step out. Come on, step out. Step out. God's done his part. God's made a way for you to see impossible become possible but now you got to act i will drive out god promised that his word i will drive out this eye and that eye i will drive out this addiction and that bondage and that problem and i'll restore that marriage and i'll heal that heart and i'll save that child but i want you to step out i want you to believe when we are willing to do the ridiculous god will do the miraculous this is what faith is Faith is looking at something that seems to be logical in the future that was illogical at the moment the decision was made. Did you hear that today? Faith. Faith is making a decision. In the future, looks to be totally logical. But in the moment, seems to be completely illogical. you got to be kidding me. What are some guys, 12 guys with a box on a couple of poles, stepping in the water going to do? I mean, come on. you got to be kidding me. It's impossible. Oh, pastor, you don't know my problem. You don't know my circumstances. But I might not know today what you're going through, but I know the God who is for you. I know today that God is on your side. I know the same God that delivered Joshua and the children of Israel is the same God that will deliver you. I know that. (laughs) A little over a year ago, I got to get the timeline right. My wife's in the front row and she... Helps me keep the story straight here. But if you've been around the church, you know, a little over a year ago, Laura was diagnosed with a, a stage 4B cancer. She posted this picture, I think it was Friday on the Internet. I want you to see this. And she's got a little hashtag, you know, hashtags. I'm, I forgot what they all were. 
what's that cancer survivor i'm stronger all these kinds of things you know a year ago that my wife couldn't pick up a gallon of milk and pour it herself you know that she couldn't do that she could not i'd have to pick up a gallon how much is a gallon of milk she couldn't do that we walk every day and she's got these little weights by the door and so she says can't you see my muscle tone she's like come on we went to the doctor two months ago and and uh her doctor had no expectation of this cancer. I'm telling you, stage 4B, massive malignant tumor in her neck, two of them. It was impossible. And when she got that doctor's report two months ago, the moment she walked into the doctor, the plan was to send her on to the Mayo Clinic up in Jacksonville. She got her blood work back. She's completely healed. She's completely healed. Over one year later, the impossible becomes possible. Oh, he stepped out. Come on. We've done our part. Went to the doctors. But we prayed. We believe in a God who is big. A God who can part our Jordan rivers. A God who can open doors when no other man could open doors. It's called faith. Faith is the moment you act. The old songwriter said, God, any mountains... You can't, you think you're uncrossable. Got any rivers? You think you're uncrossable. You have any mountains? You can't tunnel through. God specializes in things thought impossible. He will do what no other God will do. That's what He'll do. That's what God wants to do for you. They had to get their feet wet. They had to take the first step. It was the presence of God. Guys, when they walked, when they stepped into that water, that waters began to part 16 miles upstream. 16 miles upstream. Over one mile across. All of Lake Jessup swallowed up. All of it. <laughs> 16 miles. But it wasn't muddy ground. If you tried to take a foot, a gator didn't get you. If you try to take a foot into Lake Jessup today, I'll tell you where you go. You just stuck in the mud. <laughs> you stuck. They walked across on dry land. And two million of them. Two million people. Because one man believed. I believe that God is for you today. They took that step. It never happened. Because I put their foot in the river. But they got their feet wet. The presence of God. Some of you in this room, you need to get your feet wet. <laughs> you got to step. There's nothing, we don't, we don't do it often here, but there are times that we just need to take a next step in God physically. They took a physical step in the ark of God, the presence of God. That ark represented his presence, went before them, and he dried up that river. He made the impossible possible. I believe this morning there's someone in this room you have an impossible situation. And God wants you to get your feet wet. God wants you to get into his, his presence. God wants you to have a reality.